On this episode of the Average Sean podcast, we dive into what was an excellent national championship game in college basketball. I dance an Irish jig on Coach K's grave. And we also talk some end of the NHL regular season and the pending playoffs to come. Let's not waste any time. I took a week off last week because I was exhausted. I'm back to it. Let's get right into the action. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Aversham Podcast. Uh, apologies for being off last week. I'm not going to lie. I was just a little burnt out, so I needed to take a week off. Uh, so I asked Chris for a week off. He gave it to me, thankfully. Uh, we hey, are man, back. You're, you're the boss here. You gave yourself <laughs> a week off. Uh, so we are back. Uh, I will admit, right now, I'm a little bit down emotionally because of something that happened with the game that I was coaching earlier today. But as always, Chris, we power through. I know your schedule is absolutely nutty this week. How are you doing? So, uh, you know, I think I think I'm a little more uh, sane than you are right now. You know, some a case of bad officiating can definitely, uh, you know, send you down the. Chris, nobody down. has ever made the mistake of accusing me of being sane. Touche, touche. <laughs> but um, doing well. Just you know, in the thick of. Of, of scheduling work scheduling hell right now but after this week it, it dies down and i cannot wait for summer schedule to roll roll around and more importantly we, we've got a lot of it's you know people are like well it's you know sports season's kind of dying down we've got baseball starting up obviously we're heading towards hockey playoffs but march madness like we're in, in the nfl draft we're like kind of in the thick of things again I mean, NBA is getting close to the part of their season that I actually kind of pay attention to because the playoffs are really what matters. That like wait, regular... they actually start playing defense? I allegedly, <laughs> but so let let's get right to the most recent of action. We had the college basketball national title last night. Kansas wins, biggest comeback in title game history. I will first let you run wild with what your takes are, but I'm going to preface this by saying that. In terms of championship finals, I think that was one of the best of all times. So best of all time. Wow. Yeah. So what 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 are your initial thoughts? Well, first off, I didn't realize that UNC was now the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I know that's a, that at this point is just so cliche. I mean, total collapse. Um, but at the same time, you know, good on Arizona for not just folding. Um, you know, at a half Arizona, Arizona, Christ. yeah, that's where my head is. Jerry, Arizona yeah. lost to Houston. Yeah, good on Kansas for not folding at the half. Um, also, like I, I the the last whatever four seconds, I think technically, but I will just say last ten seconds were absolute insanity across the board. You know, like in the national championship, you know, you're talking about your you and your coaching and you know routine plays and whatnot. There's a routine play that Kansas has probably practiced and can do in their sleep millions of times at this point in, in each of their collective lives. And here they are stepping out of bounds on a simple inbounds play with less. I think there was four seconds left, if I'm right. Um, I, you know, and I, I do have to say, you know, uh, props to you 
you know, the whole time as I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm popping in and out, you know, trying to do some, trying to attempt to make my, my new humble abode, a, a living space, an actual home. Um, <laughs> it ain't you know, easy. Oh, yeah, that, that's another, we could do a whole another podcast on that. Anyway. Um, the whole time I'm thinking to myself like, man, like it would be great to see UNC win. And then I'm like, well, hold on all the entire season. Sean has been talking about how, you know, the upset story, the Cinderella is great. Obviously, St. Peter's is great. It's great. It's great. But at the end of the day, the better, you know, the top teams always come out. And then I'm like, wow, you know, if Kansas ends up winning, then Sean was right. And then I'm like, well, UNC, we were talking about all season how the ACC was down. And obviously, we get Duke and UNC in the final. So I'm like, Sean was right. Sean was wrong. What is basketball? <laughs> like I'm like I'm like flipping back and forth in my in my head. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're right. The the better team, the top teams always come through. Um, Kansas has been there, done that, obviously. But at the same time, you know, I I do have to say they seem to be a team that does fall, kind of like Kentucky this year, where they just fold early. It's like they either make a very deep run or they fall very early. Um, and good on Kansas. You know, we were just talking a little before we started recording about your team um, that you're coaching right now and, you know, being resilient and trying to, to finish the game strong. Kansas sure as hell did that. Um, at the same time, you know, I'd love to think uh, that the emotional letdown from UNC after the past four days, we'll say, with the Duke game and the hype around that, and obviously Coach K, which I know we'll get into in a, in a little bit, but the emotional high and then going into half at the uh, in the national championship being up by what 15 were they? Yep. And then falling like that is from basically the high of highs thinking, all right, we just play a little bit of defense in the second half and we, you know, we've got this thing, you know, all locked up and we can go out on top new coach too. Right. If I'm correct. Yeah. UNC Hubert Davis. Yeah. Hubert Davis. So, you know, like, it would kind of be like a, you know, storybook ending, but instead Kansas was just like, nope, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're still elite lead, elite league. So um, yeah, you probably have more emotions on it than I do, but that that was, those are my takes on it. All right. So first off, I got a couple jokes to run. So first, at least you're not as bad at calling them Arizona as the guy who was trying to give them the championship trophy and called them the Kansas city Jayhawks. Oh, geez. They're yeah. not even in Kansas City. Aren't they in yeah. Lawrence? Yeah, Lawrence. Yeah. So, um, also, kind of strange to be, you know, UNC when you have some of the best names in the entire country. You've got, what was it, like Puff Johnson, Leaky Black, and you're coached by Hubert. Hubert. Uh, all right on that one. So, I... I think if if I were them, just if we were had to pick names, I think I'd rather go back to Roy. Roy. So, no. So, I, the reason why I think this one is one of the best of all times is not because it was like the cleanest play, but because drama and intrigue wise, it delivered. So, first openings of the minutes of the game, UNC looks and feels like a team that is just going to complete and totally crash and burn because of their massive emotional win over Duke. So I'm watching that and admittedly I'm, I'm like streaming while I'm watching. So I'm like catching little like 
larger bits and pieces, but you know, not the whole thing. But I'm also like looking at the score going like, oh man, this is, this is early signs that Kansas is going to run away with this one because Carolina's title was in the final four, you know, showing uh, coach K the door. We'll get to him in a second. Um, <laughs> but they come back, they take the lead. And all of a sudden I'm looking at going, well, this game did have my curiosity, but now it has my attention. So either way, I was going to pay attention to the game because lo and behold, I happen to have futures on both teams. So either way, I was making money. Oh, look at it, was, that. Uh, it was just a matter of figuring out how much money I was going to make. So were you pleased with the amount of money you made? I would have made more if UNC won. But yeah, no, I'm not upset when I can turn five bucks into like 115. Hey. Sign me up for that any day of the week. Seriously. So, like, I was going to be invested either way. Um, You know, it it, it just – the first half wasn't clean. Kansas didn't look good. You know, at at first, like, you know, they they looked all right. UNC was a bad team. Then Kansas went into, like, typical Bill self-Kansas mode where you thought, all right, they're going to – they're just going to mess around and lose this game. And I got to be honest, like, I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, but I, I hopped on Twitter at around halftime, and I see somebody tweet out, Kansas is going to fuck around and win this thing, aren't they? And I thought about it for a second. I was like, this, this feels like it's going to go Kansas's way, because Kansas is that team where, like, if, if they're winning by a bunch, you don't trust them to hold on to it. But if they're within striking distance – and 15 is just on the outer fringes of striking distance. Because, you know, you get a couple decent shots, a couple stop, um, stops on defense. You know, all of a sudden that double-digit lead is evaporated and you have no clue where it went. So they just they're, – they're that team that even if they're down 15, like they will force your hand. And honestly, like that's how they won the Big 12 so many years in a row because – even when they're down, they're not out. It's so cliche to say, but it's just the truth about how Kansas operates. That's why they're one of the most successful programs in the country. That's why they're considered a blue blood. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, James Naismith, Kansas. Speaking of, hold up, quick fun fact. Do you know that James Naismith is the only Kansas head coach to have a losing record? The man invented the sport, but sucked at coaching it. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, I do have to say, though, I mean, in in the revolving door of what is college coaching, Bill, Sal- Bill Self, as I cannot talk again, has been with Kansas for quite a while. Yeah, he's been there the same amount of time that Roy Williams was at UNC because he took over for Roy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that, that's just weird to think about. Obviously, he's a lot younger, so maybe that's, you know, why we don't think of it. Um, but Yeah, but so, like, getting back to the game, like, Kansas takes the lead. At that point, you think, okay, UNC is going to fold, but they don't. And I'm watching UNC play, and it is evident that they have spent everything in the tank. But in, instead of, like, truly like just folding and calling it a day and being like, all right, you know, we, we gave everything we got. We just don't have any more. They're like, nah, man, we got to grind this down. Even if we have to like, you know, run the engine with no gas, we'll find a way to make it work. Like they were fighting. And the, the fact that they were still going at it, there was no quit. Like 
neither team at any point in the game, despite the fact that Kansas went down 15, despite that, like the start to the game wasn't the best for UNC, neither team showed any signs of let up. Like the, the whole reason why it was even close at the end was because neither team was particularly efficient at shooting the ball. So like I said, not really the best of all time due to like fantastic play, but more so fantastic effort. Because, you know, the, the play with the Kansas guy stepping out of bounds, boneheaded play, not fantastic play. But, you know, at the same time, UNC, they take it. They didn't get it. They didn't get a good shot. It was an air ball. Sure. But they put themselves in position that when Kansas makes a mental error like that, they had a shot to tie it up. But I do have one caveat, and that's the fact that they didn't tie it up. If UNC had tied it up and gone into overtime, I think that this game would immediately have dropped several levels in terms of quality because of how gassed UNC was. I mean, Armando Baycott had hurt his leg again. Actually, there's like a camera angle that looks like the court actually collapsed under him, which is why, yeah, which is why he got hurt. But he's hurt limping down the court. Puff is puking on the court. I mean, they, they were done. So if you go into overtime, I, I think Kansas would have just run away with it unless they just literally could not shoot the ball. But the fact that it ended in regulation, the fact that it was a three-point game, the fact that, you know, you have a shot at it to, to win the game or not win the game, tie the game, send it into overtime, that was the perfect ending. Because if you go to overtime, it just it would have been, you know, like a varsity team beating up on a JV team because UNC was that down and out energy-wise. So, the, like, the drama of the game, the mental mistakes that, like, weird note, the, the broadcast crew for CBS were oddly calm about the mistake that guy made stepping out of bounds. Like, they they were treating it Ooh. like it was nothing. Ooh, you, you, you're you saying it was possibly on purpose? No, no, oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, 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 no. I'm saying that they like it, they almost just didn't seem to understand the magnitude of it because I mean that was a huge mistake and they were just treating it like it was a play in the first half. That was super strange. So all those sort of things that go into it, like they're like the boneheaded plays were nothing that were like bad in, in like a way that would like sour your taste on the game. So like. Nobody threw a flagrant foul. There was nothing like super bad that happened. No technicals, nothing like that. It was just two teams at the end of a long month of basketball laying everything out on the court that they had. And despite the fact that it wasn't the most efficiently played game, it was a joy to watch because you like the pace was great. You're getting up and down the court. Sure, you're missing, but you know, when you're watching, you're like, all right, was that a bad shot? Like, no, it, it felt like it was a good shot. Maybe it's just better defense. So there was really nothing that you watch that you look at and go, why? Except for one thing, and that was Caleb Love's like parking lot shot with 14 seconds left. That that but one example in a 40-minute game, I think we're doing all right. So I don't have it up there with the Villanova and UNC title game from a few years back because everyone's gonna remember that for the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater. But they also don't remember that Marcus Page hit a three-pointer right before that to give UNC the lead. Yeah. And like that that game, I think, is like the gold standard 
but it, I would put it on par with Duke Butler from about 12 years ago. Uh, back when I, I watched that game when I was in West Virginia touring colleges. Uh, but that was 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that game was so good because like, again, the, the blue blood one, I hate to say it because it's Duke, but Butler was right there at the end and they missed. And everyone looks at that game as another fantastic game because of how tight it was. Yeah. And it, it didn't go to overtime. The, the storybook shot wasn't made, but it was still like a, a considered a top tier all time championship game. And I put this game on the same level. You know, I, I'm actually surprised not like less people are, are talking about it that way because I'm watching this going like, guys, like everybody thought UNC was going to come into this totally dead. We got so much more than we were expecting out of this. This was That's great. True. This That's was true. great. What I was saying about the emotional letdown, I, I would have honestly expected it for the, the entire game. Um, and I definitely do. I mean, besides the fatigue, I definitely think that, that the emotions had something to do with it. Um, you know, that's obviously an intangible that you can't really measure in any capacity. But after their huge win, was that Saturday night? Yeah. Then, um, you know, it was so easy. We talk about it all the time in football, but so easy to show up to the next game, especially being, you know, the championship and just folding. And they didn't do that. They did the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it shows the level of mental toughness that that team has. And I don't know if there is a coach in history that has done more for their reputation in a six week span than Hubert Davis did over this, this past month. Yeah. I mean, I literally a month ago, you know, we, we were six having talks span, about six games. Well, six games. I mean, a month and a half ago, we were talking about how the ACC would possibly, you know, underrepresent at, at the tournament. Yeah. I mean, my, Miami made it pretty deep, too. I mean, they were giving yeah. Kansas the business, too. And then just, like I said before, Kansas is that team that even as long as they're within striking distance. They're, they're alive. They're alive. Like, they, they are a zombie team because you can't kill them. Now, they – well, here's – Kansas loses in one of two ways. Either you come out and you are playing, like, the A-plus game of A-plus games, or Kansas just self-immolates. Just light themselves on fire. They cause their own problems. That that's how they lose. Like yeah, the, the, year that, the year that they lost to Northern Iowa, that was because like Ali Farouk Manesh just shot them out of the out of the gym. There's a name. So that was like an A plus 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 game for Northern Iowa. There have also just been games where Kansas just shits the bed. So that that there's there's no in between. You either have to be like perfect like beyond perfect or Kansas just has to have like a complete drop off mentally and lose all their IQ. There's no middle ground with them. Yeah. No, I know. I will say since I know you're about to jump over to coach K, I want to do a little, little mini basketball event session. Okay. 30 seconds here. Go ahead. You know, St. Peter's makes this huge run. Mm -hmm. And now with the, the transfer portal, what it is, you got guys jumping off the ship. It kind of makes me a little sad because <laughs> you got, you know, they go on this huge run. Granted, they lost their coach. I believe he's at Seton Hall now, mm -hmm. um, but it sucks, man. It sucks. 
You know, in all honesty, though, because Shaheen Holloway used it as a springboard to get to Seton Hall, I can't fault the kids for doing it. If, you're, if no, your coach no, is going to capitalize on the momentum, then if you guys have the chance to play, you know, big-time ball, because if you're playing in the MAAC, your chances of getting back to the tournament, especially with Rick Pitino still in the conference, I mean, that's... Hey, man, that's that, rider territory right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's... That, that's a one bid conference. If you have a chance to go play for like a school where you have a better shot of making it back to the tournament, go for it. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get it at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're a team, you know, you want to win, right. You want to win. And, and there's no ifs, ands or buts. Um, but you know, once again, it just kind of like, eh, it sucks. It makes it easier for me to be comfortable with it. Knowing that the coach left. True. That is definitely true. It's helping his wallet a little bit more, though. Well, actually, I don't know. Doug, Doug Eater might have some some good deals because I heard you got some good NIL deals. That is true. That is true. So, uh, now let's let's go to what did happen Saturday, and that was the funeral, the eulogy, the Undertaker cometh for Coach K's career. Dun dun dun. Now I let you run with the championship game at first. I'm going to start with this one first. I was raised in the peak era of University of Maryland basketball. As a child, that was when, you know, like I was eight or nine when Maryland won their first and only ever title. So in terms of fandom, as a kid, you're going to romanticize things. And like the things that you remember as a, like from your childhood are always going to seem better than they probably were because as a kid, you have no concept of the world around you. Now, that being said, when you romanticize stuff, you also romanticize the hate that you feel. And I was raised in an era, in a household, that held no respect for one Mike the consonant king of, of the world. So my older brothers, who one was in college when they won the title at Maryland, they were also at school during that time frame. It's like when they were at peak disrespect towards Coach K, hatred, the best rivalry period uh, the school's ever had and will ever have because they're still in the Big Ten. It's a topic for a different day. Um, I don't know if they have, you know, kind of grown to respect Coach K for what he's done or at least like not hate him as as much as they used to when they were younger. Because, I mean, you know, you get older, you kind of soften up on some things. But I am 28 years old, almost 29 years old. And I will tell you the unequivocated joy that I had. When that final buzzer rang, oh my goodness, I have no respect for the man. I hate him. I hate everything he stands for. I hate the school. I hate their colors. I hate their dumbass mascot. I hate the dumbass students. I hate everything about it. Hit the bricks, dude. Get out of here. Just right on your grade. You lost. I, like The only way that this could be sweeter for me is if Maryland or, God forbid, Towson were the team that gave him his final L. That's the only way that this moment would have ever been sweeter for me because you lose to your arch rival 
not only in the final four, but in your last ever game coaching in your crib and you lose to them in the way that you did, man, you have deserved this for the longest time coming. Go see your wife, go home, go try try to bail your grandson out of another DWI. Just do whatever it is that you want to do in retirement, but get the fuck out of here. It is good to see you go. I like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I like, I've got no respect for the man. I've got nothing for you. Just get out of here. Let John Shire take over. Let him be the next, you know, great whiner on the sideline telling his kids to slap the floor because that makes them tough. There's nothing about that program that I look at without K. Now the, oh, let me, let me pause record scratch. The only thing that was good about coach K was he made a great villain. That's it. That's it. So I will miss him as a villain, but you know, I hate John Shire too, because I was raised or I was still a kid when John Shire was going to Duke. So unlike a Tommy Amaker who played at Duke and I didn't get to watch him, I watched John Shire. I hate that little punk ass. So you know what? I don't like he's showing up. He's got no record. He's still getting like the top recruiting class in the country. Boy, sit down. You have no business doing this. You're doing this off of Coach K's coattails. We have no idea if you're a good coach. And we'll find that out next year because if you have any drop up, oh, you better believe the vultures are coming because everyone's going to sit there and be like, all right, they've got the talent. Is K going to come back? So now you have the pressure of taking over somebody who people make out to be a demigod. Personally, I think he's just a demi-devil, but... Ooh, demi-blue devil. <clears throat> that wasn't even intentional. Good job, me. <laughs> <laughs> so e- either way, like, I will stomp on your grain, on your grave. I will whip it out and piss on your grave. If I walked down the street and he was on fire, I wouldn't even whip it out to, to uh, clear him off, but I will do it on his grave. So I, I probably don't hate him as much as UNC fans hate him. But the strange thing with UNC fans, and I got to pause to say this, I know that they hate Duke. I just, like, I don't see it. Like, I, I, and I, I don't mean to say that, like, they aren't that way. I'm saying that as I genuinely, like, I don't hear a lot out of them. That, like, their hatred seems to be very localized, which is strange because it's a huge program. But either way, like, I know I don't hate them as much as as they do because, I mean, that's, that's like a blood feud. And I, I don't have a blood feud with him. I just have a, I was raised to hate you. And if there's one thing that I am when it comes to sports, it is loyal. That is why I still put myself through the torture of being a Washington Commandos team <laughs> fan. I don't know well, why I didn't say fan. It's also why I put some, my some news on that front too, but we'll have to wait and see. That's also why I put myself through the torture of being a Baltimore Orioles fan. And when the Nationals won the World Series, I felt no joy because it wasn't my team, despite the fact that D.C. is essentially my city, excuse me, as much as Baltimore is, it, it didn't bring me any joy. So, for so, like, loyalty is a great trait to have unless you're torturing yourself with your sports teams, and I constantly torture myself with them. So, I was raised to be a loyal sports fan, so that means I am loyal to the hate. At this point, I don't know what else I could add to this other than just if you ever watch this on YouTube, Double Bird, actually, I'm not going to post this on YouTube. Forget this. Double Bird, Coach K, get out of here. Chris, get out of here. 
your thoughts? Well, I definitely cannot follow that up with as a strongly worded, um, you know, it's funny. I was not raised in a basketball household to no surprise. Um, but you know, I honestly, one of my best memories, biggest childhood memories, um, was obviously the, the UMD title run. And I believe it was the year before UMD went to the, the final four against Duke. Right. And I have vivid memories. My dad was uh, redoing the hardwood floor in our house. So like the whole house was kind of torn up, you know, it looked like a bomb had went off and we had moved the TV into the, it was, you know, the old shitty TV into the corner. And I just, you know, I remember sitting there and I didn't even, you know, was not, my parents are not basketball fans, but they knew, and they're not even from the, you know, DMV. Um, But they both, it was just like, all right, well, we got to watch this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the Duke team with Boozer on it. And like, that was the, the Carlos Boozer era and, you know, countless others, but you know, that the UMD Duke hate was, was real as for, and I felt it for some, for someone who is not as passionate, obviously you just went on this very, you know, eloquent rant about, uh, you know, the, the, the Mr. K. So I, obviously I, I, I think I respect him a little bit more than you do, but well, of course you do, because I hold complete and utter contempt for the man. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a cardboard cutout of him. I'm going to send it to you and then a pair of darts. So next time your team loses, you can just come home and throw darts at him. I mentioned that I'm more likely to whip it out and piss on his, on his grave. I'm more than <laughs> likely to piss on that cardboard cutout of him. That's a one-time use thing, though. That's that's one hell of a use. I I am a okay with that, my friend. A okay with that because honestly, to put his his likeness on a cardboard image is just a waste of good cardboard. So now now here's a question for you. So obviously Roy Williams retired. Coach K. Opinions aside, retired. Who who's the next big figure to retire? Oh, to retire? Oh, like, oh. like within that that echelon. Uh, so I don't. I wouldn't say he's in that echelon anymore, especially after like the last fifteen years. But Jim Beheim, Miami, right? No, no, that's Jim Laranega. Jim Beheim, oh. Syracuse. He's still at Syracuse. Yeah, he's he, gonna he's, he's gonna be there. With, first off, the man is in his seventies and has kids in college. Sure, yeah. sure. But no, he's he's going to be there un, until his sons graduate, and then I'm pretty sure he's going to call it quits after they graduate. So he's going to be gone next. Um, in terms of like really really big names, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't want to put this out there, but Bill Self might be forced to leave Kansas because the FBI investigation is still lingering. True. So no idea what's going to happen there. I mean. Will Wade got ousted from LSU, and we haven't even gotten the details of what happened yet. So somebody there must have gotten an advanced copy of something, and that must be pretty damning. So if, if he's out, for any other coach who's listed in that investigation, I, I do wonder what's coming. Yeah, well, and the thing I think the thing with the LSU situation is that it's clearly bad, and it's the entire athletic department. It's not just one team. You know, it's like – and I, I you have to imagine – Orgeron is probably in that 
I'd say it's a bit of an entanglement. <laughs> and you know, he might have won a national championship with some uh some foul from some foul play there. And uh, you know, maybe Mr. Joe Burrow has some questions to answer, but you know, honestly though, I think if even if Joe Burrow gets asked questions, that man ain't snitching. That that man no, was no that, that man was born with ice in his veins for the football field and for the FBI. If he if he's got knowledge, you'll never know. 100%. And I think the other thing is, is that LSU, you know, obviously Joe Burrow is hella talented. LSU cannot take that away from him. The NFL cannot take that away from him. At the end of the day, without LSU, Joe Burrow would not be making vocal bucks. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, like, But at the same time, without <laughs> Joe Burrow, Ed Orgeron wouldn't have gotten paid. That's true. They, I mean, he was on the chopping block. The, the, you know, right before that. That that one was a a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, and I now here's here's. We get off topics so easily. Yeah, I was going to say we're we're shifting to college basketball, college football now. But there's one SEC team, powerhouse football-wise, that, uh, you know, never somehow gets brought up in these allegations. I believe Auburn went through it. I think Florida's had some issues. Now LSU. Why is Bama immune to this stuff? Pays to know the right kind of bag, man, dude. Pays to know which palms to grease and, and which ones get a little chatty. So... You said it, not me, but yeah. Hey, I, I, they're I'm, all doing it though. We're the, the like, let's just admit, all the SEC teams are doing it. It's not just SEC Except teams. Fan. Like, yeah. honestly, th- this is what I said about NIL. It's just now all the money that's under the table is now over the table. So we like we've known everyone was doing it. Now they just don't have to hide it anymore. So <sighs> well, anyway, anyway let's let's shift away from college because I, I think we spent enough time on that. Um, I definitely eulogized coach k in the most disrespectful way possible i'm a-okay with that um, a-okay <laughs> yeah yeah i once again didn't even intend that go me but <laughs> let's move in we are hitting the home stretch of the nhl season and if anybody ever listens to us listens to us for the nba guys I'll, oh, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about them during the playoffs a little bit I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure a lot is up for grabs still in the NBA, standing uh, and seating wise. So, I I couldn't tell you who's in first uh, yeah, place in either conference. I just and, know it's not the Lakers. Yeah, but I know that much. <laughs> come to us during NBA playoffs. We'll have something to say about it. But right now, Chris and I don't watch it. We we just don't, and it's. I hate to say it, it's just not worth the time. It's it's Regular not worth the investment. Not worth the time. Yeah, no, the, the playoffs are well worth it. I mean, the, the championship series last year between Phoenix and Milwaukee was whew, fantastic. That, that was that was good hoop. So, yeah. uh, but let, let's get into the NHL because this is the league where more so than any other, and you could say the NFL, but I would put the NHL above them. You can't take a night off just for the pure element of danger involved in your game. So you have to come with it every night. So, Chris, we are in the home stretch. We have moved past the trade deadline. Once again, I will let you lead off. Where are we at? Where are we going? 
Colorado and Florida right now look like they are battling for the president's trophy. Is that a good thing to go for? Cause we saw the Capitals kind of cursed with it a couple of times. Is, is um, it worth it for them to go for Should they kind of like lay off the gas where I know that you're more of a, uh, a play over rest kind of guy because of the fear of rust. Yes. So, you know, where, where are we at with this? Oh, the president's trophy is a loaded question. Um, Obviously, a handful of years ago, maybe three at this point, the last two kind of blurred together. Nashville won the President's Trophy and um, infamously raised. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait. I'm never mind. I'm totally mixing things up. Anyway, President's Trophy, uh, love hate relationship. I think uh, about a week or so ago, the Flames coach, Daryl Sutter, um, was asked, you know, like, hey, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the President's Trophy? And he uh, famously said, it's a, you know, it's not, it's not a team trophy for the regular season. Obviously it is. Mm-hmm. He goes, I would rather win the Jennings. Now that's a trophy that doesn't get talked about at all, but the Jennings trophy is awarded to the, the goalie pairing. So starter and backup or one, a one B, whatever you want to call it in today's world, um, who posts the lowest goals against for the regular season. Once again, does not get talked about. But Daryl Sutter said, I would rather win the Jennings. That's a team award because, you know, at the end of the day, the goalie gets the stats, but, you know, that's a full collective team award to have that for a full 82 games. That's impressive. Um, I'm definitely uh, not a sit, you know, or take your foot off the gas pedal type of guy. Um, just, you know, you can look at the caps. You can look at uh, Tampa a few years ago. They had one of the best records of all time. If not, I think they actually were the best regular season record of all time. And then they got totally smacked in the first round for nothing by Columbus. Um, the year before the lockout, if I'm correct, or not the lockout, the, the bubble. So 2019, mm-hmm. um, oh man, the trade deadline. I would just like to say. If we go back to August, September, and listen through some of these podcasts, do you remember who I said would be the, the capital of surprise this year? Daniel Sprong? Yeah. Yeah. You know who's on fire since he got traded? Daniel Sprong. Daniel Sprong. Now, I mean, Marcus Johansson's back here has looked awful. <laughs> um, the Caps are not doing well. You don't mix with, you don't mess with chemistry. And I know that's hard. And, you know, I, I don't think that the moves that the caps made were massive or, you know, obviously didn't move any key players, but Daniel Sprong is a player where he has to fit into a certain role. And we obviously have the greatest goal scorer of all time as our top line left winger. No one's moving that like he he's there basically until he retires. Um. It just sucks because Daniel Sprong is a legit top line winger can easily score 25, 30, if not more goals, if he's given the right chance. And, you know, within the, I think he's has three goals in his first four games out there. Um, He'll be good. I want to see him succeed, but the caps are playing like total dog shit lately. Uh, Apparently today after practice, uh, the players called a players only meeting, kick the coaches out and uh, you know, hope to see some response. Now, you mentioned uh, going for the President's Trophy. There's a huge game tomorrow, I believe. Um, it might be uh, – uh, no, tomorrow. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Uh, Leafs and Panthers. The Leafs just steamrolled Toronto. Um, the Leafs just steamrolled Tampa. 
and now they go into Miami to play Florida. And that's a huge game. You know, we talk about the Leafs playing soft. We talk about the Leafs not uh, being built for the playoffs, steamrolling on the road. Tampa is pretty good start. And then going to Florida, who if, if Florida has not been as hot lately, um, granted, they've had some injuries and I, I have full faith that they'll get, you know, the motor running in the next week or two here. Um but Toronto's gunning for that first, first, uh, you know, first overall in, in that division, and uh, that's a huge game. Other than that, um, I, with that, Austin Matthews might become the the first Leaf to ever hit fifty five goals, which is pretty cool. Um, I had the 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 complete honor of seeing them this past weekend in Philly. I went to the enemy territory and uh, saw them just steamroll the Flyers six to three. Um, in other news, Walder is wet. Yeah, man, I'm not gonna lie. It was kind of weird. Like I, you know, uh, Steph a few years ago got me this this nice poster, and it's a little outdated now. But I'm, you know, she got it for me. I'm gonna keep it, and uh, it's it's sick, man. It's awesome. It's a uh, it has every NHL rink, pre Seattle, of course. Right. Um, that's like has a scratch off, you know, drawing of the rink, and um, uh, the Flyers rink is the, the Wells Fargo was the closest rink I hadn't been to yet. Um, I've been to Boston. I, I've been to a handful of one, been to United Center, um, obviously Caps, uh, been to MSG and uh, Prudential Center and whatnot. So starting that, you know, we were supposed to do that right as everything was shutting down in March 2020. Um, finally made it back in April 2022, but um, was not a big fan. And also, you know, we all hear about Gritty and how he's posterized. He's not really around that rink at all. <laughs> It's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything to wear there either. Other than that, you know, <laughs> I, I, um, I, man, I don't know. I, at this point, you know, we're everything in the East has kind of set some seedings. I believe Tampa's now in a wild card spot, which is kind of weird to say. Um, I tend to think a, a fatigue is catching up to them. Uh, they've benefited from shorter seasons and not fully legitimate playoffs. I get their fair, those cups, I'm not taking the cups away from them or the rings away from them, but eventually the fatigue catches up. There's a reason why no one has won three straight since the eighties. Um, and that was the Islanders team that won four straight, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, I, I, the, the, out West, we have some interesting stuff between the Oilers and Kings Vegas you know, you were all about how Eichel's going to make them better. Well, they've played like total shit. And, uh, you know, it's not that, his... I said that if, if he could play like, you know, 85%, 90% of what he used to, I don't, know, I don't know if he's at that level. He's not. And they've got a lot of other injuries. And um, them storing Mark Stone on uh, the LTIR, which was, you know, kind of the, the, the cap move for them to be able to get Eichel um, – I don't think that was the smart move. Now, granted, if he's actually hurt, then they don't have a choice. But, you know, uh, if, if they were just pulling the, the Kucherov game, they're hurting real bad right now down the middle. Their goalie, Leonard's hurt. Obviously, they, they lost Flurry last offseason. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped for the playoffs, though. And, uh, you know, with, without a doubt, I'll, I'll say uh, I don't think the Caps are making a deep run. <laughs> 
Yeah. So real quick, when I say water is wet, when it comes to the Flyers, there's there's two points to that. One, the Flyers losing. Two, the Flyers cashing it over. They have been over machine this season. Like I generally, I take a look at whenever I see lines. If I see the Flyers are playing, unless they're playing an absolute dog shit team, I usually just look and go over. And I sit at home and just go, all right, let me cat, let me count my money, because it's, it almost seems like without a doubt, just the Flyers play in high scoring games. It's the strangest consistent streak that I've picked up on throughout the NHL season. It's just goals just happen with the Flyers. Just, just happens. Yeah, man. And I, I, I definitely think two, two years ago, three years ago, Carter Hart was a huge name. Mm-hmm. Still is a huge name. And he was deemed this like, you know, Flyers have a, have a long running history, even when they made the cup, I guess now that was 12 years ago. We're talking about things 12 years ago in 2010 against Chicago, they had a rotation of goalies. I think they used four goalies during that playoff run. Um, and they were down to like Michael Layton, who I think was on their like ECHL team majority of the season. Um, they're, they're known for not having st- stable goal, you know, goaltenders, not to say there haven't been good ones that have gone through there like Bobrovsky. Um, but Carter Hart was drafted there. He was deemed the savior. He had one good year. And then, you know, the past few years, he's just, it's just constantly a letdown. He shows these bursts of being ridiculous and then he sucks. And this year he's just been awful. Um, and I will say being at the game, almost every stoppage, you know, obviously the stuff you don't see on TV, the jumbotron is panned on Carter Hart. And I'm like, I, I don't know if Philly's getting to his head. You know, I tend to think that's what's happening on top of probably just, you know, I know he said it hasn't had been completely healthy and the team in front of him isn't great but he is like the only thing they have going for him for the for that team right now and not to say they don't have other parts but that's the only thing that they're like posterizing which is crazy i'm using that word too much today um but between that and you would think gritty man gritty walked them out on the ice i think he made one maybe two appearances the entire game. Other than that, he's not there. Like no sign of him anywhere, which is weird because when you watch a game on TV, he's always there. He's all over it. It's very weird, man. And apparently just from talking to some people, apparently they Philly did not want a mascot. And so that was their way of basically saying F you to the league. And he's posterized everywhere else. There's that word again, except for in the arena, which is kind of weird because you would expect him to be there. So yeah, I mean, I I know that uh, Jordy from Barstool would definitely be happy about that. I mean, not happy that, you know, he's he's put on the pedestal everywhere else because he gets the attention. But, uh, you know, it's for the Carter Hart stuff, it, Philly is a different breed, man. Like, I, I know that the East Coast cities, especially the Northeast, like Philly, North, uh, New York, Boston, they're like they're known as, you know, tough cities to play in. But Philly is, I don't know if it's a different level or whether it's just a different, like, classification. It's just different. Like, despite the fact that they don't have the history and the expectations that Toronto does for when it comes to hockey, fandom-wise, I don't think it matters what sport it is. Philly is just nuts. Philly is nuts. Like there, it, it's just it, it really it really doesn't matter what sport it is, and that's what set, sets them apart. 
it's not like, you know, I, like we know they're in Eagles town first and foremost. Sure. But whether it's the Eagles, the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies, like Philly is obsessed with their sports teams. And I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that like all four teams play in stadiums that are ridiculously close to each other. They all share the same parking lots. Yeah, it, it's super strange. But it, like being deemed the savior of that city, I mean, that's hard. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of him because of his tenure in Washington, Donovan McNabb does not get enough credit for everything that he dealt with during his tenure in Philly. Like that's, Truth. that's somebody who was very underappreciated. And I'm not saying that like by Philly fans, because I think Philly fans treated him the way that they would treat everybody. Because if there's any fan base that doesn't discriminate in terms of, you know, they love you when you're great. They will turn on you the second you show a sign of weakness. It's Philly. They don't discriminate. 100%. But I'm yeah. talking like like nationally, there's there's not enough appreciation for what he had to go through because you don't know what Philly is until you experience Philly. And people will talk about it on the broad spectrum, but I've been to some professional <laughs> games up there too and it's it's a crazy town. It, it's just it's absolutely the the inmates aren't running the asylum. There is no asylum. The city was turned into the asylum for all the whack jobs of the world. And they have grown to just love that city and be unapologetically them about it. I used to hate Philly for it. And there are some times where I still think they're obnoxious, but I've also kind of grown to love them for it because again, unapologetically themselves. And, and that says something that's worth commending. So keeping it to hockey, um, a few months ago, I, I may have predicted Nashville to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, they look like they're in danger of, mis- of making the playoffs. So not looking great there. Huge, um, they have a big game coming up. Is it tonight? Oh, I'm checking the score right. So, oh, yeah, they're playing the Wild tonight. They're actually up 3-1. to one. That's a huge game for them. Yeah. Because that, that's the type of game where it's like, holy shit, you know, we just – beat a top team in our, you know, our conference. That's something that can propel a, you know, a playoff run. Um, also, uh, Roman Yossi is a freaking monster scored again um, and has an assist. So another two point night, probably going to win. Um, could possibly win MVP. Um, yeah, well, if they make the playoffs, he might win MVP. I don't know. That's crazy though. And uh, Kale McCarr would be snubbed two years back to back unapologetically still probably the best defenseman in the overall defenseman in the league, but it just keeps getting snubbed out by these guys just hitting hot streaks. So crazy. I will say that I love our NHL segments because I make like two very quick points and then you just take it and run with it with so many like facts and stats. I'm sitting there going, this makes my lack of knowledge of the NHL look so less obvious. And I appreciate you for it so much. Hey man, it's a, it's a give and take. Cause uh, that's how <laughs> I feel with college basketball. <laughs> um, uh, I will also say I, I speaking of futures, uh, cause I mentioned Kansas and Carolina earlier. Uh, I do have a future on the flames, I believe to win the conference. I don't think it was to win the, uh, to win the cup. Uh, but I've got some NHL futures sitting around. 
and the Flames are one of them. And they look to, you know, be kind of hitting their stride the right time of year. And I think, honestly, the best thing for teams is to not go into the playoffs on, like, a huge winning streak. So, like, take, taking a look at it right now, like, we, we know the Golden Knights haven't played well, but they are on a five-game winning streak. Yes. So, is, so is Edmonton. And honestly, if they were to go into the season or into the playoffs like that, I would be very nervous for them because you haven't tasted an L in a while. And the sports gods are nothing if not cruel. So you go in there, your hopes are high as they can be. Usually those stories don't end up with, with a good ending. You know, it's, it's true. You it's need to be resilient. How many times have we looked at teams that are like, oh, you know, like they're getting super hot. Like they've been on like this crazy long winning streak. And then you look at like a team where take out two or three losses here and there, and they would end up having like, I don't know, a a 10, 15 game winning streak. But because they took those L's in the middle of it, they had a reason to get refocused. Those are the teams that usually end up performing the best because they're the ones who have to take a look in the mirror as opposed to the ones who are keep winning because when you keep winning, it's hard to look at something and go, yes, we, we need to improve on this because you're looking and going like, but we won. So it, it's harder to, to take that look. Now I'm not saying you want to go into the playoffs completely cold and yeah. you know, <clears throat> losing like five of six, but you know, you win a couple and then you, you take one loss, you, you win another couple sprinkle in one loss and, and you go in like that. To me, that's kind of the perfect recipe because then, you know, you've got that balance of, hey, overall, we are performing really well, but we know that there's still stuff that we need to sharpen up. I, I just think that's the best mindset to have. Yeah, I mean, and if there's any silver lining to how specifically the Caps are playing right now on the opposite side of that, where they're just getting steamrolled, um, you know, we've seen both sides of the coin. Obviously, I mentioned Tampa earlier. Um, I, when the cup, when the caps won the cup, they went into the playoffs, like just about as ice cold as you possibly can be. So stay tuned. We've got a crazy week. I mean, I, I kind of wish that there was more of a playoff push. Really the only thing up to up for grabs is that spot. Um, or the, obviously p- p- positioning is going to shift, but, uh, barring a monumental collapse by either the caps, which knock on wood doesn't happen. Um, the LA Kings, the really that the Western, the specifically the Pacific Conference is kind of up for grabs with, like you said, Calgary and Edmonton and LA's in the mix and and Nashville with the wild card spot. So stay tuned. We've got a lot coming up, but um, yeah, it's going to well, be that time of year. The one thing that will add to this at the end, and it's strange for this to be the team that I've caught on to, but sports betting, you pay attention to a team a little bit closer. The Canucks are a team that aren't going to make the playoffs, but are frisky enough to ruin someone's season. 100%. Boost Boudreaux too, man. Yeah. So he, they, I, they I don't ex- think there, there's not enough time and games left for them to get in the playoffs, but they, they will probably end up playing the Royal role of spoiler for somebody, whether it's just, you know, the spoiler of you don't get home ice or you're in a like much tougher matchup now uh, than you would have been had you beaten the Canucks, they're going to throw a monkey wrench in someone's season. I would be willing to put some money on that right now. 
Yeah, or Arizona, man. Arizona, that for being as bad as their record is, they've uh, they've randomly just gone gone on some complete tears with scoring goals. There, are an, I was gonna say, they're another team, much like the Flyers. It's a pretty safe bet to cash those overs. Yeah. So yeah. My last last note before we wrap up is if the season were to end today. Credit to the Kraken for being an expansion franchise and not having the worst record in points in the league. Yeah. I I say that semi-jokingly, but no, honestly, like, hey, you know, that's something to build off of because you got franchises like Montreal who have a hugely proud tradition, and right now you're beating them, and you have no tradition because you're brand new. A year so, after Montreal was in the cup final. Yeah, so... <laughs> I I initially said it jokingly, but let me wrap this up saying it sincerely. Good on the Kraken. Good on so. the Kraken. <laughs> and with that, uh, thank you guys as always for tuning in and listening and you know giving us a moment of your time. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can, please like, comment, subscribe, send it to a friend, tell them we suck and to hate listen to us. I don't care. Just you know, Fuck let Coach K. Fuck <laughs> Coach K. Yeah, make sh- make sure to tell your uh, your local Duke fan that they can go fuck themselves, uh, along with Coach K. So with that, we are out. <laughs>